You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today, I'm going to share a message with you entitled, Eyes of Expectancy. And this theme of expectancy and eyes has been on my heart for, uh, it's been several months now, so you may have heard me say certain things about it. And today, I want to develop it and talk about it. And this is number four in the right way to grow a healthy church. So this is number four in the right way to grow a healthy church. And I'm going to pray. Father, I'm asking that you would impart to us your hope and your expectancy in our hearts and that you would strengthen us with your hope and touch our eyes where they have become dim. And let us see the way you want us to see. Let let us see with expectant eyes, your eyes, Lord. And Lord, let there be an exchange of our eyes for your eyes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for grace. We're in all different homes and places. I'm praying for your word to go into every heart and mind and do its work and that you would make my words like a tree of life and that the fruit would strengthen, it would be sweet, and it would bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, eyes of expectancy. Uh, Put your hands on your hearts, please, and pray this with conviction wherever you are. Dear Jesus... Speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Amen. So let's get into this here. This is Psalm 33, 18. And this is one of the Psalms that has been on my heart this week is Psalm 33, 18. And I wrote this out in Hebrew and translated it this week. And here's the translation. Behold, Yahweh's eyes focus on those who revere him, who expectantly wait for his kind, loyal, and unfailing love. We're going to turn over there to Psalm 33. You can turn over there too if you want. I'm going to read this one again. And uh, I like to read it two times so it can really get into our minds uh, Psalm 33, 18. But Yahweh's eyes focus on those who revere him, who expectantly wait for his kind, loyal, and unfailing love. It's his chesed. It's his chesed that they expectantly wait for. Now, before that, and Anna wrote a song about this. Before that, in verse 16, it says, No king is saved by the size of his army. 
And we could also say no pastor is saved by the size of his church. No warrior escapes by his great strength. There's no Christian that is going to escape by their great strength or any material thing. It goes on to say a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. So it's trying to get us off of our own strength, thinking that our own strength will save us, thinking that size and quantity would save us, thinking that technology and stuff will save us. And, and, and the psalmist is trying to get our eyes on the Lord. Behold Yahweh's focus. And he's, he's telling us that Yahweh's focus is on those who revere him. Behold, Yahweh's eyes are on those who revere him, who expectantly wait for his kind, loyal, and unfailing love. Amen. So that's our opening scripture there. And I have a theme this morning, and this is the theme, live in expectancy, live in hope. So last week, I set the week aside to seek the Lord, and I had a blessed time seeking the Lord, spending time with Him. Sadly, after that, I fell sick, and then I've been trying to get better all this week. But before all of that happened, the Lord put these words in my heart, live in expectancy, live in hope. And that is what Psalm 33, 18 is telling us to do. Live in expectancy, live in hope. In Scripture, there are several words for hope. They embody a particular way of living, a life of revering the Lord. Hope is expecting God's goodness and confidently waiting on Him. It patiently endures, looking to Jesus and drawing strength from Him. Hope means standing on His promises, even when they seem distant, like it says in Hebrews eleven thirteen. One of the words for hope is kavah, and you may have heard of it. One of the words for hope is kavah, and it's a picture of binding and twisting. And this is used in Isaiah 40, 31, where it says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, or those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, or those who bind themselves to the Lord will renew their strength. There's a number of ways we can uh, translate it, but that's the word used there, kavah, this binding and twisting for hope, like a cord. Someone who hopes in Yahweh binds himself to him. They are not looking to their own strength, wisdom, or solutions, but to God's kind, loyal, and unfailing love, his chesed. In other words, they desire the Isaac that comes from the spirit, rather than the Ishmael that comes from the flesh. So we saw in the beginning, if I go back here, we saw in the beginning, here's this man, he's looking up at the stars. And when God called Abraham, he gave him hope immediately. He said, look at the stars and count them. So shall your offspring be. So right off the bat, right in the beginning, God gives Abraham hope. He gives him vision. He says, so shall your offspring be, and he shows them the stars, and we know there's billions and billions of stars, and so that is going to be his offspring, and so he starts them off with that 
that hope. And it's not just a wish or a dream. It's something that God will do. So Romans 4, let's look at Romans 4, 18 through 25, where we see this with Abraham. Romans 4, 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. So here we see the connection of believing, trust, and hope. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so he became the, became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, after God called Abraham, Abraham tried to bring about God's promise in his own strength, and that's when he produced Ishmael. And he did it in his own way, not through Sarah, whom God had chosen, but through Hagar. And because of that, uh, because of that, he, well, Ishmael was blessed in a certain way, but it wasn't God's ultimate plan. God wanted a child born of the Spirit. That is miraculously, in, through God's wonders, through God's power, through his resurrection life. Uh, and then we see with Abraham, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And this was after the whole Ishmael experience, where Abraham tried to rush things. He didn't wait. And that's the temptation for all of us, especially in church life or our own lives. Or we want to progress God's plan. We want it to go quicker than it is. It, quicker than God wants it to go because God's trying to take us down his path. And this is where we need hope. This is where we need to live in hope. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And when you're living in your hope, you're living standing on the promises of God, what he has said, and not swerving from that. Verse 22, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And so here we see where Abraham learned the lesson that God wanted a child that was born of the Spirit. He was going to be the child of promise where the covenant would be made through Isaac. And there's a whole lesson of hope in there. Well, here is the French word for hope, espérance, espérance. And uh, some of you may know that my mom spoke French. That was her native language. My mom spoke French, and she understood Spanish and Italian. And when she came to New York, then she learned English. And as a kid, I was learning French. Uh, she was teaching it to me, and I did six years of study in French, and it all, <laughs> it pretty much all left me. Um, but it's deep down, it's deep down in there. 
it's deep down in there. And one of the things I've been doing while I've been in bed and trying to rest up is I've been reading the Bible in about three different languages or so. Uh, I've been reading English. I've been reading the Hebrew. I've been reading the French. I've been reading the Spanish. And I've been reading the Italian. And I've been looking at the different words there. And Esperance is an interesting one because it means hope in French. Uh, in French, but it's not the common word for hope. It's only used in mathematics for an expected value where you would have a confident, confident expected value or used in the Bible, Esperance. And it was a ship, and then I learned it was a ship that sailed to Australia in the late 1700s. And there was a storm and the ship docked uh, near it, this is uh, below Perth. Uh, I think it's about an eight-hour, eight-hour drive uh, southeast of Perth, and there is this place in Australia called Esperance, and that is that pink. You see that pink lake? It has that pink lake right around there, and you can see the beach around it. And this place is named after the French ship, the Esperance. And uh, yeah, I don't know how the Australians pr pronounce the town name, but I'm pretty sure that Daniel and Diane would have been there. I don't know, but uh, I'll, I'll ask them later. I'm pretty sure Daniel and Diane would have been around this area, Esperance. Now, it's interesting that in the French, this word hope is this confidence. And it's, uh, there's a common word for hope, which is like a wish or a dream, but this is confident. This is, you're, you're definitely expecting this to happen. And uh, that is really the biblical understanding of hope. It's not uh, wishy-washy. Moving forward, here we have this fruit of the grape and the trellis. A vine has no strength on its own. It needs a trellis or similar structure to grow. The latticed wood of a trellis allows the vine to intertwine with its framework. Without this support, the vine would lie on the ground, unable to bear much fruit. Hope is like binding yourself to the trellis, who is God. God's hope lifts you up. He is your strength and song. And that's... What Psalm 33 is celebrating is God is our strength. God is our song. And we rejoice in him and we fear him and we're not looking to our own strength. We are like vines and we're binding ourselves to the trellis who is God and hope. That's what hope does. Hope, hope lifts you up. Hope lifts you up. Well, here's a lady. She doesn't look too uplifted. Life's pain disappointments, and difficult experiences can cause our eyes of expectancy to dim. And so this is what I have found challenging, and I, I, every believer will find this, that pain, disappointments, difficult experiences can cause our eyes of expectancy to dim. Abraham had to hope against hope, and we have to do the same. Now, when these pains and disappointments come and difficult experiences, we soon start seeing blurry or not at all. The good news is that hope is not our product. It's not our product that we have to produce. 
It's not in our power that we produce authentic expectation. Hope comes from God. It's the product of God's spirit, just like I've taught you about faith. Faith comes from God. I've taught you about love. Love comes from God. And the same thing with hope. Hope comes from God. It's the product of God's spirit. Our job is to bind ourselves to him and let him impart his hope to us. Let him impart his hope to us. That's our, that's our job. And so now we come to our infographic that we've been building each week. We've talked, this is the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. It could be the right way to plant a healthy ministry, the right way to grow as a believer, the right way to grow a healthy family, church, ministry, however you want to put it. But right now we're putting it in the context of our church and the churches across the world because this is a time of new beginning. So some of these things are things that I've, I am, really have a sense of uh, a conviction that it's important for the church to know during this time. One is to put intimacy above ministry. Second is to stay on the way of worship, prayer, and the word. The third is keep centered on Jesus and his love. That's what we talked about last time. And then today... Four is expect God to cause the growth. Expect God to cause the growth. Our Father is the source of growth. He causes us to grow according to His will, timing, and way. He prioritizes quality over quantity. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 through 9. And um, I'm turning there. 1 Corinthians... And, you know, we're often not happy or content with the stage of growth that we're in. We always want something more. As our family grows, as Anna and I, our family grows, and Allison's an adult, Gideon's an adult, I see more the importance, and some of you older parents would realize this, I see more the importance of valuing every stage of growth. When they were toddlers, when they were young children, when they were uh, teenagers, just valuing every stage and not wanting to rush it, but often in our hearts we're not content. We want to get somewhere else and we don't enjoy the path, we don't enjoy the process. And, when you look back, you say, oh, I really should enjoy that stage more. The same thing goes for ministries. The same thing goes for churches. We should just enjoy the stage that, of growth that we are in. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, uh, we'll start in verse 5, 1 Corinthians 3, 5. What after all is Apollos? This is Paul speaking. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So I want you to see that, that the, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So God is the one that causes the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one 
who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So there's something that we learn from this and that, and we're going to get to it very soon. But before that, healthy churches live in expectancy. They don't allow past painful church experiences or their own difficulties to rob them of hope. Instead, they reach out to Jesus to touch their eyes and enable them to see. So I, I want to say that again because one of, the, one of the little foxes that spoil the vine of hope and expectancy is painful church experiences and our own difficulties and they tend to come and nibble at our hope and try to steal that fruit of hope from our lives. But healthy churches live in expectancy. Healthy families live in expectancy. Healthy ministries live in expectancy. Healthy Christians live in expectancy. We don't allow past painful church experiences or, or our own difficulties to rob us of hope. Instead, we reach out to Jesus and we say, Jesus, touch Touch my eyes, heal them so I can see clearly, not blurry. Just let me see like you see. And that was my prayer in the beginning. Here, getting back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we have a little kid wondering. If we do our part, God will do his part. Michael Brown recently said something like this in one of his messages. If we do our part, God will do his part. Our part is to sow and water, to love God's people and our neighbors. God's part is to cause the growth. He brings the increase. So again, if we do our part, God will do his part. And our part is to sow and to water, and different people specialize in different things. It's all about loving God's people and our neighbors, and it's God's part to call... It's God's part to cause the growth. He brings the increase. We must take the pressure of growth off of ourselves and trust God for expansion to happen in his time and way. So with regards to growth, there's a lot of pressure on ourselves to make it happen. Like Abraham, he tried to make the promise of his offspring being like the stars in the sky. He tried to, to make that in himself, where that he was first going to bless all the nations. He tried to make it happen through Ishmael. And we know that that didn't turn out good. God was teaching him about living in the spirit, about trusting in God's power, not his own strength. And at first, Abraham, the, Abraham had the pressure of growth on himself. And this is something that all of us churches, we need to throw off that pressure for growth uh, by ourselves and trust God for expansion to happen in his time and his way. And it's always going to be through his miraculous power, his strength rather than our strength. Of course, we don't, we're not lazy. We do our part, but he does, when we do our part, he does his part. And here I want to share with you from my journal. Uh, we're coming to an end soon. This is what the, I had a lot of things that God spoke to me last week 
in my time of prayer. I can't share it all this morning. I hope to share it in, uh, share it now, share it at Bible school, and share it in the weeks to come. Uh, but if I, you know, if I give too much, you know, <laughs> we'll all forget it anyway. So I'm just going to go piece by piece. But I'm going to share here from my journal. Um, and this is something God was speaking to me. And I wasn't even thinking about revival at the time. It was early in the morning. This is just as before the sun was rising. And the Lord had me write these things down. Uh, Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, revival is happening. Tell my people not to wait for revival, but to jump into me because I am revival. Don't focus on what you don't have. That's a recipe for disaster. Focus on what you do have. Intimacy with me, purchased through the cross. I am life revival. So here was the the Lord was speaking to me quite strongly. And I just started to write what he was saying to me. And here the message was especially that I am revival. And don't, well, sometimes with regards to people who are hungry for revival, like me, Uh, I'm hungry for revival, Anna is. Sometimes what you find in these communities is we end up thinking, oh, we don't have it, we don't have it, uh, and everybody is lamenting about that. Uh, But the Lord was saying, don't focus on what you don't have. That's a recipe for disaster. Focus on what you do have, and that is intimacy with me, purchased through the cross, and jump into me. I am revival. I am life. We know that the word revival, or you may know that revival comes from the word French too, with vive, vive, and it's to bring life again. So then he went on to speak to me. Remember how good I am and focus on my goodness. Tell my people to see the goodness of God all around them. See it in my people, the church. See it at work. Stop thinking I am absent. Now, when this happened, it was when the Lord started to say to me, stop thinking I am absent. It was like a roar in my spirit. It was very strong. Uh, I didn't want to put it in all capitals, but it would be like putting it in all caps. And this was, it was like the Lord was... uh, wanting to wake his people up. And he said, stop thinking that I am absent. I am not absent. I am present and working. I am alive. I am with my people. I have not withdrawn myself. Stop listening to the evil one who says, I am not here. Remember, Jacob, the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. My people don't realize that I am present with them. I am present, seeing and hearing all those conversations. I am present, working. I feed the hungry and fill the thirsty soul. Don't lose expectancy. So I feed the hungry and fill the thirsty soul. Don't lose expectancy. So this was what the Lord was saying. And so one of my prayers while I was on the prayer retreat was this, when God says often, often, over and over in the world, uh, over and over in the word, he says, I am with you. I am with you. I said, Lord, let it get down in my gut, in my emotions, in my feelings, in my soul. I am with you. I am with you. 
And so this is something he was, the Lord was saying to me, tell my people to see the goodness of God all around them. And, and Psalm 33 also says, says this. I'm going to go to one of the verses there. Uh, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. The earth is full of his chesed. The earth is filled with his hesed. It's not just someday, it's right now. The earth is filled with his chesed. The earth is filled with his kind, loyal love. We need to see it. This uh, builds, builds us up, it strengthens us. Yeah. Warning, now this is the last part of what I'm going to share from my journal. And we're almost coming to a conclusion here. Warning, the next part can be hard to digest. So are you ready? Hope you're ready. And uh, for some, you may not think, oh, this is hard to digest. But if you take it, you know, to your heart, it could be hard to digest. Um, so let's go and look at this. Here the Lord spoke to me and I wrote it down. The thinking of my people needs to be renewed. It's old, stale thinking. It's dead religious thinking. It's thinking that lacks my life and creativity. Their thinking is their major stumbling block. Their thinking is a great idol before me. Their thinking must be renewed. It's like an old wineskin. It makes no room for me. They are not believing for transformation. They are stuck. Let my Holy Spirit renew your mind. Your thinking has blocked me. Uh, that he brought me to Jeremiah 2.13. Blocked me out. Blocked me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your thinking has blocked me out. Your thinking has blocked me out. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> and I guess when you hear God correcting or warning about, you know, to his people, we got to remember, the, especially the last part where it says, let my Holy Spirit renew your mind. So this is what God wants to do. He wants to renew our minds. Uh, our minds can become like an old wineskin. We think certain ways and we make no room for God, no room for his miracles, no room for his wonders, no room for his intimacy, no room for his power. And from here, the Lord, I could feel that, that the Lord had this uh, pain, uh, uh, contention in his heart with regards to this matter. And Jeremiah 2.13, it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. So what's the solution here? We need to go back to Jesus as our spring of living water. That's the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, the pouring out of the water in the temple and Jesus saying that come to me all you who are thirsty and I will give you drink and out of you will spring live will come uh, the spring of living waters so let's allow God to renew our minds with regard to hope and expectancy and not live hopeless This is one of the last slides here. We have a vineyard. There's a beautiful promise in Hosea that will help renew our thinking. 
And this is in Hosea 2, 14 and 15. We've been reading this in Bible school, and you may have come across this. Here the Lord says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And this is the part I want to emphasize. There, will, there I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day, not in the say, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. Now, what happened the day she came up out of Egypt, the day Israel came up out of Egypt? Well, she sang the song of Moses, and Israel was excited and praising the Lord and saying, the Lord is our warrior. He's a man of war. And they were singing, Asherah, Asherah. They were singing to the Lord. There was so much joy in their heart for the Lord. And this verse makes more sense when we realize that Ahor means trouble. It means trouble. So let's put that in there. And there I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. When you see trouble, look for God's door of hope. When you see trouble, look for God's door of hope. There's always hope for those who fear the Lord. There's always a way out of hurt and pain, a way that leads to the embrace of the father's arms, just like for the prodigal son in that parable. There's always a way out that leads us back into the running embrace of the father's arms where he runs toward his son and embraces him. So when you're in that valley of trouble, and often we are in places of trouble and disturbance, a whore, this disturbance, this, this trouble. Um, when you see trouble, look for God's door of hope. Look for his hope. So there's trouble around, but yeah, I, we realize the trouble sometimes what happens is we get focused on the trouble. Look for God's door of hope. Where is God's door of hope? And then walk through that door. Go to that door, walk through that door. And trouble is almost like a doorknob. When the Lord turns that trouble, it opens us. When he turns it for good, it opens us into his hope and the future that he has for us. So never let trouble blind. Let's not let trouble blind our eyes. So going back to our last verse, behold, Yahweh's eyes focus on those who revere him. Behold, Yahweh's eyes focus on those who revere him, who expectantly wait for his kind, loyal, and unfailing love. And we thank God for his nature and character that he looks upon and focuses on those who fear him, who revere him, uh, who expectantly wait for his kind, loyal, and unfailing love. Amen. Amen. And now I'm going to pray. And 
after I pray, I'm trying to get a, couple, a few of you to unmute and pray, but let me pray first. <laughs> Father, I want to thank you that you are the God of hope. Amen. And may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you. And may your people overflow with hope. Father, I need your hope. We all need your hope. Our eyes have become blurry at times. Touch our eyes to see again, to live in hope when we're in trouble and we're in a place of trouble, a valley of trouble, that we would look for that door of hope. We would not be trapped in the trouble itself. And that like Abraham, we would against all hope hope. Thank you, Father, for building hope in your people today. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified across Brisbane. Be lifted up across Brisbane. Save us from all these floods and cause your people to turn to you with all their hearts, soul, souls, minds, and strengths. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.